Shomrabyog. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to On Shomrabyog. Welcome back to the tiny room. Welcome back this week to the exceptionally cold tiny room, Benjamin, as my heating has broken down and now I'm freezing my bum off in December. Perfect timing. Perfect, absolutely spectacular timing, Benjamin. And <laughs> as you can probably guess from the fact I'm already talking to Benjamin, I'm joined this week digitally, of course, because, you know, we're very COVID conscious here at the tiny room. We are. Di- digitally, of course, by the man who brings some warmth into all of our lives. It's Benjamin. Hello, it's me. It's me. Michael, do you know the most effective way to warm yes. the cockles of a frozen bum? Go on, go on. What is it? You sing them a song and it goes a little bit like this. Theme <gasps> music for the podcast. We don't actually have anything music. Very good. You see what you've done there is led into the theme music as you so often do. Benjamin. <laughs> Benjamin. Yeah. Look, 2020 has been a heck of a year. Oh, it's been a roughing. There's been a lot going on. There was COVID, Ben. There were bushfires. My heating system has stopped working. I mean, that's I had the a, greatest tragedy. I had a puncture. But Benjamin, at least 2021 is looking up. Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> but Benjamin, 2021 is looking up for more none than anyone but Ben, internet pirates. Oh, no, not the Internet Pirates. 2021 is going to be a banner year, Ben, as they say, for Internet Pirates. (laughs) Do do, do you see what I'm getting at, Benjamin? There's been a news announcement, Benjamin. Yeah. There was a news announcement a few weeks ago, Ben, that uh, Wonder Woman, the, the, the film Wonder Woman... Yes, it's about a woman of wonder. Yeah, that was to be released, Ben, simultaneously in America... On that America. That America, that's the one, those fellas. It's to be released there, Benjamin. Now, we talked about this in the podcast before. It's to be released on Christmas Day in theatres, as they say over there. Although, you know, that doesn't make a lot of sense because who's going who's gonna to play Wonder Woman? I mean, I mean, you'd have to get a different actress for every single theatre. That would be, be ridiculous. Be ridiculous, Michael. Be ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so, Benjamin, they're going to release it in cinemas, as we say in the civilised world. But they're also going to release it in America, Ben, on HBO Max on Christmas Day. So nobody's going to the cinema, Michael. So nobody's going to go to the cinema, Ben, because it's going to be free for internet pirates. <laughs> what? It's just not a great business move. It's it's a weird one, Ben. But look, Warner Brothers, in, in their own inimicable way, Ben, have decided to double down on this decision. And now their entire slate of 2021 movies are coming free to piracy in in next year. <laughs> so we, we should clear up for the listeners who maybe don't get Michael's razor-sharp humour there. It's uh, razor-sharp, Ben. It's a hot take. They're to have a simultaneous release schedule of both cinema and HBO Max uh, ben, for, for 2021. Can I ask you, who is simultaneous? Uh, Simultaneous is a good friend of ours here at the podcast and he's in charge of all the movie releases um, (laughs) and he's just so good at hitting the different switches that say release at the um, same time at the same time and that's really what's made his career for him we'd love to get him on the podcast but he's very busy pushing all those buttons we'll get him on someday Ben origin of the word (laughs) simultaneous actually not many people know that that Simultaneous our podcast co-producer is where that word came from So thank you very much, Mr. Tanius, for keeping us going through yeah, this he, 2020 he, nightmare. He prefers Simon. Just call him Simon. <laughs> Mr. Tanius. He's, uh, um, his job is very important, but he doesn't take himself too seriously. He's a bit of a jokester, actually. <laughs> Sometimes, Ben, 
we'll tell him to release the movies on a certain day and he'll just put them on the internet a couple of weeks before then yeah his sister Spawn really hates that he got the good name though spontaneous very good yes i have to say it out loud then i have to say it out loud uh, that probably sense. means it wasn't a great joke anyway what i was saying was hbo plans to simultaneously release all of its films uh, both in a digital landscape and in the cinema now in america in in america but michael if it's released on a streaming service hbo yeah. go in this particular case if it's HBO released max. on a, H, hbo max sorry changed HBO Max. If it's released on a streaming service, Michael, that means all the grubby little digital pirates will be like, oh, num, 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 num. Delicious. Everybody can have this now. Yeah. And it's just, I don't think it's going to go very well for them, Michael. I well, don't need to... go on. I, for one, Ben, am absolutely delighted. <laughs> <laughs> now, and it might seem, Ben, I'm delighted because it means I can see the things for free. But, Benjamin, as you know, um, this little endeavour that we do costs us money. And we Quite are... A bit. <laughs> We are very privileged in many ways, Ben. And one of the ways in which we are privileged is we can afford very easily to pay for our entertainment. Yeah, we're lucky. We're lucky, lucky lads. We have only ever, and let's do an admittance, Ben. We have only ever unknowingly watched pirated materials. Not to save money, but in situations where by some sort of mad legal rights situation, something wasn't available to us. Yeah, exactly. Regions, Michael. What a load yeah, of dick. Yeah, I mean, regions, copyrights, uh, various streaming platforms not being available, you know, all of that mad nonsense. Yeah, yeah. And um, Go on, sorry. Well, that makes life a little bit difficult for a pop culture podcast weekly. It does, but I'm not even talking about pop culture podcasts, Ben, because I know that people in Ireland have been... Uh, uh, there are internet pirates everywhere, Ben, and some of them are just cheapskates, let's be honest. Uh, well, look, look. Oh, go on. I thought you were going to say something. No, it was just an Irish. Yeah. Yeah. But Benjamin, for for me anyway, I think that this is going to be a turning point in the entertainment industry. Now, Michael, you'll have to expand on that for me. Because Benjamin, my issue... Ben, I used to pirate TV a lot. Let's be honest. (laughs) Pot kettle black, if I make any judgment over here, Michael. Yes, yes, exactly, Ben. I used to watch... 90% of what I watched was pirated television, Ben. And it was because it wasn't available here, majorly. And I always said, Ben, if things were readily available, I would pay for them and be happy to pay for them. If they were relatively available and not extortionate. And the last couple of years, Ben, while we've been doing this podcast, I have spent, on average, probably about a fiver a week on either watching TV shows or movie on or movies on Microsoft Online or YouTube Red or uh, Amazon Prime or you which know any of those things. things which Ben ten years ago I would have pirated. Yeah, do you remember when we watched Bewitched? We watched was it Bewitched? No, be, Bedeviled, be, Bedazzled, Bedazzled. No, is it Bedazzled? That doesn't sound right now. Bewitched, Bedazzled, Charmed, uh, the, Sexy the Witches the, in uh, Tight Latex. The one with Elizabeth Hurley, Ben. Bedazzled. I paid for that. <laughs> I paid to watch that film on YouTube. It was, two, it was two euro pounds. Two, two euro poundy woundies. Two euro pounds. So, you know, making this kind of thing available, freely available and reasonably priced, might this might be the first step in that. 
Yeah, it could be a nice solid way of, of uh, leveling the economic playing field. A little bit. But also, Ben, I can't see myself not going to the cinema. If there's an option to see these in the cinema or see them at home, there are going to be some interesting decisions. Yeah, I think it's it's probably a bit of a a kick in the teeth for big directors. I'm, I'm speaking particularly, Michael, to my mind at the moment of Denis Villeneuve, who Denis has... Villeneuve. Who's who's made the old the old Dune? Yeah, that's um, a big one. And I think it would be fair to say, Michael, that he makes movies for the cinema. Um, he creates spectacles, Michael. Um, yeah. In in the style of your classic Ben Hur, your your yeah. Cleopatras. You know, yeah. you're meant to go there. You're meant to sit boggle eyed for two hours and go, Jesus fucking wept. Oh, a lot of um, people fell asleep in Blade Runner twenty forty nine, including me. Oh, Michael. I did. I was tired. Michael, you'd had a long day. You had a long day. I don't remember. I don't remember the specifics, Ben. Maybe my heating has stopped working. (laughs) (laughs) And you were sitting in the cinema for a bit of warmth. Yeah. Um, Coincidentally, while you and your good lady friend are going to the cinema later on today. Yeah, I've Um, fallen asleep in two films ever, Ben. Blade Runner 2049 and SpongeBob SquarePants, the first movie. Those are not equivalents, and it's not fair to draw that comparison as if they were. (laughs) quite good. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. for, For him... I think it's going to massively damage revenue from the cinema. Um, And assumedly Warner Brothers will take that into account, Michael, that their revenue from the cinema will more than likely go down as a result of simultaneous releasing. But, you know, you'd hope. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, it undoubtedly will, Ben. But they're obviously hoping that, um, let's say, if they can get you, Benjamin Colopy, to sign up for HBO Max because you want to see James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Yes. And you might stay signed up for four or five years. I mean that that could be a mistake I make, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You'd forget to cancel your credit card, Ben. Um I don't I know you don't have a credit card, Ben. I've only ever seen you pay for things with coins. Yeah, I just have large pockets, Muggle. Just large, large pockets, pockets full of filled coins. With coins. Old yeah. Benjamin Jingles Colopy, that's what they call me. Old Jingle Pants, they call you. But what are we talking about? <laughs> anyway, look, yeah, all the films are coming to streaming to piracy the same day as they come to the cinema, so that'll be good. <laughs> Ten minutes of our podcast gone. Yeah, yeah, we just waffled through that. Then what's next? <laughs> There's a lot of waffle there. Oh, I don't even know if we made any points. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, oh, this is the future of your podcast entertainment right here on Michael and Benjamin's podcast. Moving on from there, Michael, swiftly yeah, yeah, yeah. and without looking back. Uh, there's been two bits of Marvel news this week that you brought to my attention, Michael, because I'm a oh, big old Dumbo. So launch them into me there. Which ones, Ben? There's Buddy Hawkeye and there's a Letitia Wright scandal. Oh, yeah, yeah, Ben, look. uh, The first couple of on-set photos and videos of Hawkeye have come out, confirming if it were needed that Hayley Seinfeld is playing Kate Bishop. I I think that was confirmed, but, you know, there's been so many swirly rumours about the Marvel TV shows, it's hard to tell. It's hard to catch your breath, Michael. It's hard to to really, you know, get through the mire and figure out where you're at. Much more importantly than that, Ben... Mm. Um, is the first videos and images have been released of Lucky the Pizza Dog. Ah, sold. Yeah. Sold. It does seem to imply that they're going to be doing Hawkeye, My Life as a Weapon. Is that a a bad thing? Yeah, I think it's a great thing. But the only Mm. thing about it is that Hawkeye is a single down-on-his-luck schlub who lives in an apartment and everything is kind of gross and disheveled. And the Hawkeye of the movies was very much... a. A devoted father who lived in a beautiful, well-kept... Ranch. Ranch. And, you know, he made everything himself and he seemed to be a handyman and carpenter and 
he he's a, a good very different Christian character. archer. <laughs> yeah, he's a good Christian farm boy, who's you know. So what's he going to be doing hanging around with twenty three year old Haley Steinfeld? Unless it's all gone horribly wrong and his wife has left him and it takes a very dark turn for a Disney Plus TV show. <laughs> It'd be very good, wouldn't it? I, I, I'd like to see that, to be honest with you. But his wife and kids come back and they're like, we can't be hanging around you. You went mad for that five years we thought you were dead. You murdered everyone. Everyone, everyone. <laughs> all of those Japanese men. Which kind of makes sense because that is exactly what would happen. Actually, maybe that does make sense. Maybe he doesn't go back to them because he can't live with the demons. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's Michael. Michael, That's quickly, get Marvel on the phone there. Well, they're already making it, <laughs> Ben. So look, it. No, it's not too late. They're already late. making it. It's not it's too minute, late. It's too late. There's nothing we can do about it. Showrunner changed. But, Benjamin, yeah. look, there's a lot of things going wrong at the moment. My heating system's not working. Uh, I had a puncture in my car tyre this morning. You've had a hell of a morning. It's been very bad, Ben. But, you know, you can always count your blessings and say, at least I'm not Letitia Wright. Yeah, so I don't know what this is about, Michael. I can't banter with this because I'm not All sure right. what happened. I'll fill you in, Ben. I'll fill you in. Letitia Wright, Ben. You'll know her. You'll know her from the films, Ben. She yeah, plays Shuri. Shuri. Yeah. yeah. And um, she plays Shuri and she also plays, um, she was in The Black Mirror, the, yeah, the TV show The Black Mirror. Oh, yeah. She was in the episode, look at the museum of all the evil shit. <laughs> look at this awful museum. Yeah, don't go in there. It's terrible. But it turns out she was terrible. But it all turns out in real life, she also might not be that great, Benjamin. Because what oh, she's no. gone and done is posted an anti-COVID, anti-vax, oh, um, f- anti-trans, hour-long documentary video on her Twitter page. Oh, shite. <laughs> and almost instantly being cancelled. That that's happened twice to Disney in the past couple of weeks. It's also happened to um it's also happened to Gina, oh, yeah. Gina what's her name in Gina The Mandalorian? Yeah, Gina Gina Grano. Grano it's also happened to her. Well. She's a big anti-masker um pro trumper and there's bloody she was just about to get her own show. Shuri was just about to inherit the bloody Black Panther title. Well, that's a funny thing. I saw I read a very interesting article Ben and I can't remember where it was from, but um it, and the article was this is this was fascinating to me, but it was that uh Letitia Wright Shuri as Black Panther would never work because the community that made Black Panther such a success is still too patriarchal to accept a female Black Panther. Now that, Michael, is a can of worms. Isn't it? Isn't that a can of worms which we're we're going to stay well away from? On our two white men (laughs) on our two middle class white men in Ireland podcast. It was a very, at least one of us is cold. Um, <laughs> it was a very interesting article, though, Ben, saying that, I mean, the, the people who love Black Panther, there's a, a, a sizable percentage of them who would be not be willing to accept a female Black Panther. And they said the only the only solution. And we talked about this privately, Ben, but we didn't talk about it on the podcast <laughs> because, uh, you know, it's it was not a bit for soon. Us to talk about. It was a bit soon after Chadwick's death. No, we didn't talk about uh, we talked about replacing Chadwick Boseman. But um the, they said the only people who would be acceptable were Michael B. Jordan, bring him back, redeem him. That'd be good. Then, that would be my favourite. Uh, let Winston Duke become the Black Panther. That'd be awfully good. I'd watch that. Yeah. Winston Duke's a bit camp, but M'Baku isn't. M'Baku is not at all. Yeah, 
But Mbaku, even Mbaku is a bit too funny, I think, to be Black Panther. Yeah, he occasionally has those moments. Who else would you pick, Michael? Or well, the 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 this article that I read, and I can't remember where it was, Ben suggested. Um, oh God, what's Denzel Washington's son's name from Tenet? Oh, uh, is it not is his name David? Too? Is it David Washington? Yeah, I, I've forgotten his name. I've forgotten anyway. his name. Yeah, him. Re- just recast. Don't don't uh, change character. Just recast. Oh, I Ooh. think that's Ooh. I think that's controversial because they just launched their their remembering Chadwick logo. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, one yeah I did it's see his that, birthday yeah. this week, or it was his birthday this week. And mm. so, um, Kevin, uh, the Russo brothers have just done their retrospective on how wonderful he was to work with and stuff like. I don't think you can recast him. I don't know, Ben. I don't know. It'll be an interesting time. Um, well, I think it's safe to say that Letitia Wright won't be getting the job. Um, I'd say Kevin Feige is absolutely sweating bricks. Yeah, what am I supposed to do with my... <laughs> no, what my do buddy? I do about this? Yeah, no. COVID. Hell of a thing, 2020. Um, Hell of a thing. Also, the Amber Heard petition to get her removed from Aquaman 2 has reached over... Is it something six ridiculous people. like... Is it 15 million signatures? Over six signatures. Uh, 15 million signatures, Michael, um, to date. So that's significant. Did 15 million people even go and see Aquaman? No, well, it but a, they it made a billion, I, didn't it? No, they probably did. It made a billion. I think there's probably a lot of men's rights activists out there just sharpening their. <laughs> they are activists, Ben. It's interesting. So Letitia Wright has been pretty much. It's been trial by internet. Oh, good. But it, it just goes to show you how quickly these things can turn on you if you if you do something dumb. Yeah, I mean. Did you see Don Cheadle's tweet, Ben? No. What did he say? He just tweeted. Bye, Letitia. <laughs> Excellent work from Don. Yeah, terrifying. Terrifying. I wouldn't want to be on Don Cheadle's bad side, even though he's a tiny little man. Yeah, but I think he's he's got scary energy, Michael. He's got Hollywood he's got, connections. He's got scary energy. Yeah, um, yeah. Speaking of dumb, dumb things, Michael. Uh-oh, here we go. Watch as Ben Collipy puts his foot in it. Uh, the Chinese, Grand Bunch of Lads. Grand Bunch of Lads, the Chinese, Ben. They've never done any harm to anyone. Uh, got got a little preview, Michael, of Monster Hunter, the new movie from uh, Mili Jovovich and Paul. I'm going to get his name wrong. It's not Paul. Paul Huss Anderson. Uh, Paul Huss Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the fella. Um, it had its premiere yesterday, Michael. Good. In in the 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 old China there, Grand Bunch of Lads. Grand Bunch of Lads. I imagine it's a bag of shite, Ben. Um, it probably is, Michael. I don't trust either of those people, Mili Ovovich or Paul Sanderson, yeah. um, to to really do it justice. But anyway, Michael, it doesn't matter because they've they've done gone and offended an entire nation. Oh, classic. Yeah, um, Michael. There's been there were rumors swirling that there was a, a kind of a, a a racial slur in the middle yeah. of it that uh, offended a great deal of Chinese people. So much so, mm. Michael, they've all taken to the game site. Capcom yeah. makes the video game on which this is based and they've begun to um, really just shit on the game through mm. thousands and thousands and thousands of negative reviews. Um, and you might think, Michael, when you were looking this up and trying to find what the slur was, that it was something horrific. Yeah, um, I came up with a list, Ben. I'm not going to repeat any of them on Yeah, we're air. not going to repeat any of those on air, Michael. Um, and we, we went through, you know, the classic kind of, you know, vintage racial slurs for Chinese yeah. people. Uh, yeah, the modern, updated racial slurs for things. Yeah. And no, Michael. Um, at one point, yeah. a character named Jin yeah. gets up on a jeep. Yeah. 
and to another character says, Hey, what kind of knees are these? And he points at his own knees, to which the other character looks a little bewildered. Mm-hmm. And he says, Chinese. And is he a Chinese character, Ben? He is, yeah. I looked it up while we were chatting. Okay, okay. Well, I'm glad that film is being cancelled then. No, it hasn't, Michael. It's been taken from cinemas, re-edited, and sent out again. I had a bit of a look into this, Ben. Go on. It seems like a lot of it is stemming from the fact that the the Chinese and Japanese, Ben, historically not the best of friends. Didn't get on. Not the greatest of friends, the Chinese and the Japanese, Ben. And Monster Hunter is obviously a Japanese game. It is. So I think there's a little bit of sensitivity there. Yeah, they, as in, oh, any any chance the Japanese will get there, they'll please stick it to us. Is that yeah, yeah, what we're at? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so mm. like the Japanese, the Japanese have had the Americans put this racial slur about the great and powerful land of China, grand bunch of lads, into their their horrible imperialist film. Oh, those sons of guns! Yeah, um, you know what? You know what the Chinese need, Ben. Go on. The Chinese need to come to Ireland and watch the film Wild Mountain Time, and then see <laughs> how they feel. <laughs> Then see how they feel. I'm going to cancel Emily Blunt. I'm going to review bomb Emily Blunt's Steam page. One of one of my favourite things, Michael, and this is completely anecdotal, um, but it'll it'll humble your opinion of our little island. Go on, go on. Um, I was roommates when I went to to Florence, Michael, at one point, um, with a Chinese girl, and I was trying to tell her where I was from. Yes. Um, and I, I kept explaining, I was like, Ireland. She was like, oh, Holland. And I was like, no, Ireland. And I was trying to explain it to her over and over. And I had to show it to her on a map. She had no idea that Ireland existed. Um, yeah. well, it was ben, very humbling. You'll remember, Ben, that I did live in Asia for a while. You did? Yeah. So I've m- many times had that experience. But I also oh, ben, really? had that experience. Yeah, <laughs> I also had that experience, Ben, in the USA. Oh, good. For, for example, I was in Florida, in Jacksonville, and I met a woman who didn't know what a passport was. And when <laughs> she asked me, where do you live? And I said, Ireland. And she said, how's the weather on the island? And I was like, uh, <laughs> are we, what? <laughs> what's, um, what's happening? What's this conversation? What's that now? Yeah. What, what's, mm. uh, what's this? Anyway, Benjamin, look, it's, it's a crappy Paul Wiss Anderson film, which is usually snuck out in a January release, which is kind of, yeah, has managed to creep out a bit earlier. So, you know, I'll see it. But it's releasing in the states I, it, on the twenty fifth, Michael. And when do we get week. it? When do we get it on piracy, Ben? Uh, probably sooner than that, Michael. Um, I'm <laughs> assuming if it's out soon, in China, yeah. it'll be out soon enough here. Oh, there you um, go. That's much more racist than that joke from the film. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, isn't it's been released early somewhere else. So pirates, no matter where they are, will just go. Okay, I'll just take that then. No, what they'll actually say, Ben, is yar. Uh, we'll just get that booty for ourselves now. Yeah, I'd no cam versions though. High quality streams only for us pirates. Yeah, the Queen's gold, an Oscar screener. Yeah, yeah, property of Warner Brothers. Yeah, yeah, I lost me leg in the great. Warner Brothers release schedule of 2021. <laughs> it was to diabetes because I sat in front of the computer and ate too much candy. But still, yar. I'll never forgive the man who took me leg. One of these days, I'll track him down. I'll stand in front of him. I'll point me musket at him and I'll say, Simultaneous, this is for all the suffering you've caused to the pirate community. Yar. 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 What are we doing? 
<laughs> We're moving on from there, Michael, swiftly yet again. Uh, speaking of Japan... Benjamin, there's been nothing swift about this episode of this uh, podcast no, not really. whatsoever. Well, we may as well hit our last two little bits, uh, Michael. Right, Speaking well, of Japan, first of all, Mr. Oscar yeah. Isaac has been cast in a uh, solid snake adaptation into the films, into the movies. That'll be good, Ben. I'll enjoy that. Yeah, I mean, Oscar Isaac, who's what's not to love? Let's go watch he's, it. He's um, good in everything. He was even good as Poe Dameron, hated character Poe Dameron. Hated, ca- hated Cameron, uh, Poe Darrington, which is what I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> the Irish version, yeah. Poe Darrington, yeah, the Irish. Poe Darrington, Cork. you old yeah. scoundrel. Poe um, Darrington from Cork, he's from Cove. <laughs> uh, we had a little bit of uh, sad news this week, Michael, in that Hugh Keyes Byrne uh, of Immortan Joe fame in Mad Max yeah. passed away at 73. Ah, oh, that's a shame, Ben. Uh, yeah, he was pretty good in that, 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 that their film, Michael. He was, he was also in the first one, Ben. He was Toe Cutter. He was Toe Cutter. I'd say that Immortan Joe was a bit of an upgrade in fairness to him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he's, he's gone uh, Erschlina Firna there, so he's, he's, up on out of there. And then, Michael, the last bit of interesting news... Yes? ...is that we've been made aware that uh, one Elliot Page uh, is now to take Hollywood by storm. Yes, very interesting, Ben. Yes, very interesting, Michael. Um, <clears throat> former actress Ellen Page, um, now Elliot Page, uh, has announced that he is transgender. And yeah. that is the way he'd like to be referred to from now on. And my immediate question, Michael... What about was, the bloody Umbrella Academies? What about the Umbrella Academies? And I don't think it's too much of a stretch, Michael, to say in a timey-wimey jump that genders might be reassigned. Because um, we had another time jump there, didn't we? In, in At the end of Umbrella Academy. I mean, yeah, that's a possibility. The other possibility. The other possibility, Ben, is that the actor Elliot Page just acts as a female character, Vanessa Hargreaves. Nice. Um, you know, that could, that could happen. That could happen. Um, no, Michael, I, the, the, my immediate thought, sadly, was something much sadder. I was like, I wonder what the internet thinks of this. Oh, yeah, the internet's um, a grand old place, isn't it? Grand old place. Um, and actually, it wasn't that. It was pretty well received, Michael. I was yeah, surprised. Generally, uh, I, generally I was, quite positive. I was quite surprised. I was pleasantly surprised by the internet mm. this week. And it all went over, apart from the occasional far-right commentator. Ah, well, um, they're a grand bunch of lads. Letitia Wright, for example. Letitia Wright. Uh, Letitia far-right, uh, as she'll yeah. now be known. Um, and yeah, I mean, look, what what, what are you going to do, Michael? Good good for Elliot. Uh, well, look ben, to see what I, he's about. I, when you say, what are you going to do? One thing we'll have to do is retire our running character of world's smallest lesbian, world's tiniest lesbian, Ellen Page. Yes, it's now world's tiniest heterosexual, Elliot Page. Yes, so that's totally fine. All that's right, Ben, let's move totally on. totally grand. Um, moving on from there, uh, Japan. You talked about Japan today. I talked about Japan today. And uh, today's I've topic, it, Michael, yeah. is one all my own little focus. And that is... Why are there so many European settings, influences, etc. in anime? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael, yeah. why on earth has that happened? So I took a little deep dive this week, Michael, uh, into exactly why that might be. And there's some pretty interesting answers as we go along, Michael. Uh, bloody better be, Ben, because you've got 25 minutes to fill. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so number one, Michael, is that yes. a lot of those European influences uh, come in two distinct forms. One is Germany. And one is mm. England. Uh, now, mm. we're not really going to get into the uh, post-Brexit, post-Brexit identity crisis that is, is Britain even European anymore? Um, because within this particular field, all these movies were made pre-Brexit or all these animes were yeah, piloted very, pre-Brexit. Very clever, very, uh, what a so clever loophole you found. I, I'm not going to get into that. But the German ones fascinate me. 
uh, a little bit more than most because that German influence um, is is heavy throughout a lot of very popular animes now. Um, and a lot of that is medieval Germany or Bavarian aesthetic, Michael, mm. which I found fascinating. People so, in the Lederhosen then. The Lederhosens, yeah. Um, one of the one of the ways that I've decided to tackle this, Michael, because there's quite a bit to get through, is that oh, I've God. broken it into three little categories. Uh, I bet you love doing that. I love a category. It helps me you organize my chaotic little brain. Yeah, you love putting things in boxes. I love putting things in boxes, Michael. Yeah. But as we'll find out later, boxes don't always suit. Um, oh. Setting, Michael, is my number one box. Right. Lore is my number two box. Right, Data's brother. And then appearance and aesthetic is my number three box. Oh, I see. Three, three delicious boxes. Is is delicious box number two lore actually the name of Data's brother? Yeah, Data's brother's name is Lore. That's bananas. Yeah. You learn something new every day, Michael. Every day. That's the point of the podcast, for people to learn semi-obscure Star Trek facts. Yeah, absolutely. So, Michael, when, one of the, the key influences in this kind of little European grow that uh, Japan has is uh, Hisayo Miyazaki, which I'm going to get definitely wrong. I always get it wrong. We're going to say Miyazaki because I know that one's okay, absolutely right. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, and I think the first name is Hisayo, but I can't say that with 100% certainty. So we're going to go with Miyazaki. Miyazaki uh, has uh, f- famously made many, many beloved Japanese anime films. He is the founder of Studio Ghibli over there in Japan. Yeah, is that uh, could be, yeah. I, I could be completely wrong on that as well. Studio Ghibli, Ghibli, whatever you prefer. Let's go with Ghibli. I'd say you're probably right, Michael. Getting bloody Ghibli with it. No, 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 That was good. Um, so Studio Ghibli um, has many, many films that um, are heavily European influenced. Now, uh, Miyazaki has said himself that he loves Europe. And frequently, before making a movie, he will send a bunch of lads from the L studio the whole gang to of Europe on a, a study mission, kind of get some painting done, get some preliminary sketches, get some inspiration for his films. Um, And he's also been heavily, heavily influenced uh, by Victorian literature and British literature. So those two things have come together, Michael, and they've created kind of the the Geely world, if you will. Mm. And there are lots of different examples of it. I'm just going to get my notes out here. Get Um, your notes out for the lads, Ben. So get your notes out for the lads. Uh, Academic sexiness all round. So, um, one of the most famous films to come from the Studio Julie is Spirited Away, Michael. Yeah, I've seen it. It's about a girl who gets kidnapped to a monster world. Indeed. And it's been heavily influenced by none other, Michael, than Alice in Wonderland. Oh, yes. It's very Alice in Wonderland, isn't it? The Alice in Wonderland. Um, and that's a big one. However, interestingly, Michael... Go on. The actual aesthetic of it is uh, a little bit more Russian uh, than it would be... Um, European in general. However, there are some moments. It's a nice Japanese-Russian fusion. What do I mean by that, Michael? The entire bathhouse, the big mythical bathhouse that Spirit of the Way Yaga, is based then. in, is is that. And then Baba Yaga is kind of the the big old lady. I can't remember her name in the in the movie. She's the big scary kind of bird lady. Let's just call her Babushka Babushka. Yeah, Babushka Babushka. And she's a little bit more based in Eastern European folklore and Russian folklore. Because they often run together, Michael. And it, she has a sister. And it's like the two sisters of Slavic myth, uh, the night and the day. Um, which you might have seen in various forms. 
Um, and that, that all kind of influences that one. And then a lot of the strange creatures that pop up, there's a giant baby, which has yeah. its place in Slavic folklore as well. Um, and any any folklore that has a giant baby in it, Michael, I don't want a part of. No, no thank it's you. terrifying. No, thank Benjamin, you. Did, you. did you ever play the game Zombies Ate My Neighbours on the Sega Mega Drive? I did not. There's a giant baby in that. Coming to oh. get you. Oh, no, thank you. He's coming to get you and he's squirting you with his big milky bottle. No grazie. No gracias. No danke. I'll have yes. less of that. Nine squirts you with a big bottle. Yeah, he's, he's no use. I don't like that. He's 50 feet. 50 foot baby. I don't like that at all. No, keep away from him. No. I, <laughs> Sorry. No. Get back on point. <laughs> Terrifying. Anyway, there are other influences we go, Michael, but probably the most heavily European influence one was Porco Rosso, um, which quite simply means red pig. Red pig, Ben. In but Japanese. it's set in Italy and the Mediterranean coast during World War... Uh, sorry, it's it's World War One, um, Right. No, or World War Two. One of them. One of the world wars. One of those yeah. bad things that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, in this one, Miyazaki kind of got to profess his love of kind of early uh, aircraft design, especially in the European aesthetic of World War One and World War Two. Um, that's a big love letter to kind of the planes of that era and the mechanics of that era and that whole thing is everything like Ben I haven't seen it is everything like wooden structures with fabric stretched over it yeah we've got a lot of that but you've also got the classic kind of biplane design and things like that so it's not all material and things like that but it's it's moving on from there that kind of obsession with it grew Michael and then we saw Hell's Moving Castle um, Benjamin that's how biplanes are made is it, is it stretched fabric yeah. Oh, you see what I've done there, Michael? I put yeah. my foot in it. Yeah, you see, I was setting you up there to to kind of make that point. But then you said, but no, Mick, not that stupid thing you've just suggested. I didn't this say thing. that. That's not you what I said. You absolute son of a bitch. You That's are worse than, you're wor- trying to cancel me, trying to get me cancelled like Letitia Wright. <laughs> That's why I took your Twitter away, Michael, because I don't want you to get cancelled. <laughs> I don't want Twitter anymore. <laughs> so... <laughs> Anyway, that kind of love of European engineering and design grew a little bit in Hell's Moving Castle. When we when we move into Hell's Moving Castle, which is based on a Welsh book, Michael, by Diana Wynne Jones, um, a Welsh book, or as it's also known, a book, a book, bu- a book, um, a lovely book to have a read of. Uh, yeah, so that's um, based on that. And in there, we got to see the World War Two era design thing because there are two fictional nations at war um, in Hell's Moving Castle. And uh, that's what we got to see there. But as he travelled around the world, Michael, a lot of his stories became influenced by his travels as a young man because Miyazaki travelled around Europe when he was a, a wee young fella, Michael. When he was a burned, as they say in Scotland, which is part of Europe. Yep. Good man. You nailed Thank that. You. Well done. Thank um, you. And a lot, of those, a lot of those different countries influenced different stories. So Kiki's Delivery Service is set on a kind of fictional town in Sweden. Um. Uh, sorry, set on a real town, set around, is a fictional story set around a real town in Sweden. My apologies. Uh, Take that, Sweden. And <laughs> this new fictional country. <laughs> I've never believed in Sweden, to be honest. <laughs> I've always had my suspicions about that. <laughs> I don't know where I stand on Sweden. Scandinavia's not real. No, no. We're Scandinavian deniers here at the podcast. Don't get me started on Finland, Ben. <laughs> More like Fakeland, am I right? Oh, um, I don't know. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, to all our Scandinavian listeners, dreadfully sorry. <laughs> Very sorry. Um, but this huge influence, Michael, has led to kind of a, an academic branding of his style of anime, which is called Euroworld. Um, oh. And it's this notion of a fictional amalgamated Europe existing within anime. And a lot of people that came after were heavily influenced by the the kind of Euro world that Miyazaki created. So as we move through that, Michael, uh, that setting becomes more and more common, especially, as I said, that German setting. Right. Um, as we go through, particularly Bavaria. So Bavaria is the, the kind of old world tradition area of Germany, if you want to look at it that way. Um, up there near the mountains, uh, lots of traditions, Michael, as you so aptly pointed out earlier in the podcast, Lederhosen. Lederhosen, yeah. Houses where the top is made of wood and the bottom is made of bricks. Yeah, so the Oktoberfest idea, all that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, and it's a Bohemia-inspired aesthetic, uh, little houses, windy towns, that kind of thing. Now, a Michael, castle on a hill. A castle on a hill, if you will. Go With get a yourself the a bottom. castle. Um, yeah. So that aesthetic has influenced multiple uh, anime iterations and Japanese culture in general, one of them being Castlevania. Oh, I've heard of it and played it. I've heard of it and played it, Michael. That entire European Gothic aesthetic dominates Castlevania and kind of makes it a whole thing. Uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting, Ben, playing Jap- games made by Japanese companies but set in Europe. Yeah, it's and a obviously, bit mad. Obviously, the anime and the game thing overlap, Ben. And you're looking at it going, where is this supposed to be? Who? <laughs> what is this? What is this place? Why is there a Medusa in Transylvania? What's she doing there? She doesn't belong there. That's all mixed up. Would you ever get out of here, Medusa? You're supposed to be in the Mediterranean. What are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here in Transylvania. Also, why is Transylvania only forests? I suppose the name does kind of give it away, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what it means. Never mind. That's a that's not a, that's a moot point. Uh, we'll edit it out later, Michael. Yeah, we'll edit it out. We'll edit it out so I only say something that makes sense. <laughs> so that European Gothic aesthetic has influenced a lot of, of popular animes. But the, the most popular one recently, Michael, would probably be Attack on Titan. I've I've seen it, Ben. You made me watch it for one of our very earliest episodes. Yeah. So the the little, the, sorry, well, not the little, but the villages there are based on on Bavarian design, Michael. They're little circle towns that emanate outwards, and they got big walls to fight off against the big giant people. Um, but you've got lots of characters named Hans and things like that. Um, you do. And they've got Gunther. a re- and Gunther exactly, Michael. So we've got a real heavy European, occasionally militaristic. Uh, tilt, which always makes me a bit nervous, Michael. Mm. Uh, whenever somebody kind of fetishizes German military history, you sweat a little bit. I don't well, know. They were only real bad eggs for about a hundred years there. Yeah, but you still say German military history, and it's the first thing that pops to mind, Michael. <laughs> I was watching the last, ep- the latest episode, Ben, of the Mandalorian, episode fourteen. Don't tell me. I'm not, not going to spoil anything, but Good. there is, funnily enough, that you've said it. There is a kind of small walled town wherein the guards have a quite a German World War One aesthetic. Oh, that's not the latest episode, Michael. That's the one with the Sokotano. Oh, that's the previous one. That's the, that's one the, the previous one. I've watched yeah, that yeah, as yeah. well, Michael. It's very good. Yeah, not made in Japan, so not really relevant for here. But it, it isn't, isn't the Mandalorian weird, though, for having tiny settlements controlling a planet? Like, it, it appears about 100 people live on that planet. 
Yeah, it's the same with the previous planet as well, Michael. It's like way over here on this side of the planet, there's the Imperial Fortress. And then yeah. over the other side is Carl Weathers. Yeah, <laughs> and if and we could just get rid of the mates. Imperial Fortress. Anyway, uh, anyway, Ben, let's talk about Japanese Sorry. Japanese yeah. using so the Western. That that entire thing has infused it, and uh, it's filled with uh, kind of references to Jaegers and hunters and things like that using the German language, which is really really interesting. And Michael, I put this out to the the listeners uh, a little bit after that, and a uh, good friend of the podcast, Kron. Yeah, I've heard of him. He's a good egg. Gave me a good shout out. He said, Full Metal Alchemist seems to be obsessed with old style military garb um, from Europe. And he's bloody right, Michael. Have you ever watched Full Metal Alchemist? I haven't been. Well, if you are going to watch it, Michael, start with Brotherhood. It's the better one of the two. Um, there are two versions. There's Full Metal Alchemist and then there's Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. And Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood was written after the manga was completed and is better. Um, Let's see. By all is accounts. it a retelling, Ben? Uh, no, they keep fairly true to the original one, but you see, the original series went off its own direction because, you know, it wasn't finished yet. Game of Thrones, Game Whereas of Thrones. Whereas this yeah. one was a, a lot more um, focused in on uh, the actual manga. And the actual manga's uh, writer, Ar- Arakawa, Arakawa, is a lady, um, and she uses that name only. She has a mononym. Oh. And Arakawa um, has been very upfront about her obsession with Europe post-Industrial Revolution. Um, she said that she read a book on the Industrial Revolution in Europe and became obsessed um, mm. with the way in which so many countries evolved in such uh, close proximity, but in such different ways. Um, so it, she's found it really interesting how so many different cultures just kind of developed in their own direction as they went along. And her world of Full Metal Alchemist is kind of, again, like a Euro world version of it. Um, and it could be argued that in the middle of it, the world that we're introduced to with Elric and Alphonse um, is kind of England meets uh, Germany meets, you know, the the, the very Western pushed um Europe. And then as we travel through that world, Michael, we're introduced to the Nordic countries and the Arabic countries and things like that mm. within Full Metal Alchemist. But... Not Scandinavia, though, because that's not real. Scandinavia's not real, Michael, as yeah. we've always said. We should get t-shirts. Scandinavia. Uh, Scamdinavia is what we'll say. <laughs> ah, very good. That's um, a good slogan, then. That'll be good. We'll put, that the, we'll put that on the t-shirts, Michael. Oh, God. We've just lost all our listenership in Scandinavia. Um... What listenership, Ben? They don't, they don't exist. <laughs> Nobody listens to this podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, there's that, first of all. And then there's the fact that anyone from Scandinavia is probably a bot anyway, unless they can prove otherwise. Prove us wrong. Send us a picture of you wearing a T-shirt that says Scandinavia on it. That'd be great. I'd love that. <laughs> uh, that'd be amazing. So, Michael, because I'm yes. still, my brain is just running at 90 miles an hour. But what's really interesting there, Michael, is that... The military structure of Germany is mimicked within the structure of the world of Full Metal Alchemist. So you have state alchemists, um, and they're kind of the upper military echelon of that right. society because they can do a little bit of magic. Oh, good. Although it's not magic in that world, it's just very advanced science to them. It's the force, yeah. It's the force. 
uh, an M count, Michael. That was one of my favorite things about one of the episodes of The Mandalorian. They wouldn't Stop say Stop talking about The Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't say midichlorians. They're like, M count. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah okay, all right. Uh, sorry. Anyway, moving back from that, the military garb um, of that entire world, of that kind of Euro world, is very much modeled after early um, Prussian Bavarian uniforms and it's fascinating, Michael. So mm-hmm. good shout to Cron for that because I went and had a, a good hard look at that. But Michael, that's the first time that I noticed something very unusual happening in Japanese anime and that was that the main antagonists are homunculi. And the homunculi in in the world of Full Metal Alchemist are animated beings like golems, Michael, from Czech mm-hmm mythology um, and yeah. they're animated beings but they're named after the seven deadly sins mm. so you've got your wrath your gluttony your envy etc 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 and the yeah. other four lads that go with that uh, yeah, your yeah. lust etc and each of their powers are based your, uh, on your Letitia Wright your Letitia Far Right yep um, <laughs> as we go along and those are all based but that was the first time that I'd kind of seen that and then Michael I went on a little deep dive from there and it turns out that anime is a bit obsessed with Catholic lore, mm. um, there are multiple iterations now um, that do that, and we've we've talked a little bit before, Michael, about Arthurian legends and things like that. And there's a very popular anime out at the moment, and um, it's called The Seven Deadly Sins, and it's about a group of beings that have kind of manifested godlike powers in medieval Europe based on their um, sin. So you right. have pride who's the most powerful of the sins, but only as long as he believes he's the most powerful of the sins. Oh, like Captain Britain. Sins. A bit like Captain Britain. Yeah, a bit like that. But that's set in Old Britannica, Michael, no. um, which is just Britain, basically. Um, but their main conflict, Michael, is with uh, the, the, French, uh, the French equivalent in their little Euro world designation. And that's the Leon, the, the Leon something or others. Uh, the Hohe but that's a weird little nod to the War of the Roses and stuff like that that's going on in that world. And everywhere they go is based on little medieval European towns, Michael. And that's really interesting. And I went deep diving from there. And it turns out, Michael, that a lot of that comes from the big, big fascination they have with Dark Souls. Which is medieval European folklore galore. And Catholic, kind of weird, deep-dived Catholic... Um, Lore and things like that. You have saints of sulfur and death, and it's really interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's Ben. But um, Dark Souls itself is quite recent. Yeah, I know. Dark Souls but, itself only comes from the twenty tens. I know, but it's it seems to have had another kind of little push and wave of of new anime coming from that. Well, um, I mean, have you ever played it, Ben? No, Michael. I hate video games because I'm very bad at them, and I hear this one's quite a toughie. It's quite a tough. It's actually not that tough, Ben. It's just the the gameplay mechanic itself revolves around dying and learning from your mistakes. And as you know, that's not something that really suits you. So no, I like to be alive. Yeah, very good. I was more joking about not learning from your mistakes, but never mind. <laughs> anyway, um, it's a very very good game, Ben. But one of the weirdest things about it is the absolutely weird and horrible weird setting. Yeah, it's a weird purgatory land, isn't it? It's set in a... Yeah, it's a weird world, Ben. It's basically the... It has its own mythology with its own gods and its own kind of prehistory. Yeah. But the character that you play comes into the world as the world is ending. Oh, and that's not good. 
it's it, it's not good from a sense of um you know you probably don't want that but maybe you do ben and the world has been struck down ben it, it's a kind of medieval european world yes but it's been struck down by a curse of undeath where no one dies anymore but every time you die in this horrible world you go slightly more mad Ooh, uh, it's a process called hollowing ben Ooh, and once you've died too many times and not regained your soul you go irrevocably mad well, that's a bit grim. It is. It's very grim. It's a very grim and horrible world. And it's also almost entirely empty. Because there's very little left. Even the sun, Ben, is fake. What? Yeah, the sun is fake. Isn't that cool? You can't the have sun, a fake sun. You can, Ben. It's a god. But it's a god, it's a god pretending to be another god. It's mad shit. But it's set in a in a kind of almost kind of late renaissance Europe where you start in this grim and gritty kind of really video gamey world but you end up in this kind of abandoned European Catholic cathedral it's kind of like it's like the cathedral in Milan and a bit of a bit of Paris you end up in this and there's like probably 50 other beings in the whole city and everyone is weird and mad. That's good, isn't it? It is. It's really good. It's a really good setting, Ben. But it's it's a world of knights and dragons and gods. And there are Arthurian things about it as well. You end up in things like deep wells and no good. You know, the, the bottom of the world and stuff. And it's it's a weird, gross, horrible setting. But it's a fascinating setting. And it really is... Something that only, I feel, a different culture taking another culture's myths and legends and basically reinventing them could come up with. Yeah, so it's 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 so it's it's a lore through the lens of another culture that doesn't yeah. really understand the lore. <laughs> well, I, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't make the presumption that they don't understand it, but they yeah, that by was not a bit being attached. My apologies. To, yeah, a little bit. Like, let's say Ben, the likes of World of Warcraft or um, Warhammer or Game of Thrones or any of those fantasy things set in European analog, not analogs, analogies, something kind of Europe. analogies. Yeah. yeah, they're set in kind of Europe's. Yeah, Euro world. Yeah, they're, but the European ones are very much Europe. I mean, in Game of Thrones, the North is the North. Yes. And, you know, the place where the Spanish people live is Spain. Yes. It's it's Europe. You know, Wales is Wales. Yep. So, it's Europe. But this, the and I think it's another Miyazaki who's responsible for this, um, funnily enough, just a different, same name. Um, oh, it's such a bizarre pseudo-Europe world. It's one of the most uh, engaging worlds to be drawn into, you'll find, in a game. Well, that's good, isn't it? That sounds... And apparently, Ben... Go on. In and of itself, highly inspired by the anime and manga Berserk. Yes, Michael. So, in 1989... Go on. There was a manga launched in the L- Japan, where it often is. I've heard of it, yeah. I've yeah. heard of Japan, yeah. i heard of Japan. I've been there, Ben. Have you been to Japan, Michael? I've been to Japan many times, Ben. I've never been to Japan. I'd love to go to Japan sometimes. Did yeah. you live in Japan? I didn't live in Japan, Ben. No. I've been to Japan. You've been it's to Japan. Great. It's a wonderful place, Japan, Ben. 
Is it? Yeah, it's fantastic. We must go sometime and do a guest podcast in Japan. Let's go do a guest podcast in Japan. That will be enormously expensive. Yeah, sure. It's a grand. We make loads of money off this podcast. So. Oh, well, Ben, I suppose we'll have to pay less what, with the advent of piracy in 2021. So, It'll be grand. You know, we, we can save we'll up all save the money. money. <laughs> yeah. We would have spent on cinema tickets. Go and do a special in Japan. <laughs> um, it was created by Kentaro Miura. And Kentaro Miura was a bit of a, a bit of a... Europe nut as well, I suppose. A bit of a Europhile. Uh, a bit of a Europhile, Michael. And he created around two primary characters. Uh, a mercenary oh. called Guts, a lone mercenary. Oh, Guts. And Griffith, who was um, the leader of a band of mercenary called the Band of Hawks. Oh, uh, and it's well, set this all in, sounds very generic so far. It does, yeah. It was set in medieval Europe. Um, and Michael, shockingly, this ran until 2016. Uh, so wow. 1989 to 2016 it's been adapted multiple times and it's very similar to what you're describing in Dark Souls in that it's another culture's interpretation of lore and you end up getting kind of sucked into it it's not necessarily a realistic depiction of medieval Europe in any sense but they're not a million miles off and it's just an odd experience to watch and go through and you know enjoy Look, Benjamin, though, far be it for us to say it's odd when Japanese people make uh, video games and anime and manga about European culture, because Europeans and Americans have been doing that about Eastern stories for years. Too long, Michael. Non-stop. Too long. Have uh, you ever seen a ninja, Ben? Yeah, so this was pointed out by good, good friend of the podcast, Nine Wassies on the Instagram. He said, it's no different to us making a million different movies about Yakuza or um, ninjas or samurai. And that got me thinking, Michael, that the the last samurai starring one Mr. Tom Cruise in which one man saves an entire Japanese village. One white man, I might point out, saves an entire Japanese village. Well, funnily enough, Ben, I think that's not a great example because that is... Okay, there's, you could argue that there are some white saviour aspects to it, but that's very much about uh, a white man going to live in Japan and learning oh, about it. Japanese culture. Damn you know it. what I mean? Damn uh, I was thinking more like Lego Ninja Storm. You mean Ninjago, Michael? Ninjago, yeah, where they're like, we're ninjas and we're on Chinese dragons for some reason. And there's, you know, shurikens. Here come shurikens coming at you. What has any of that got to do with Japan? I like to call it pissing on the grave of your ancestors, Japanese fiction. It's uh, oh, very good. Real good. It's real good. That's an excellent example, though. I think Lego's probably guilty in a few different ways of of homogenizing different cultures. and Well, yeah, together. I mean, I don't know much about Ninjago, Ben, and I don't think there are even any connections to Japan other than the fact that they've taken the, word ninja. the concept of ninjas. Yeah. And... You know, I'm sure there are hundreds of video games about being a ninja and being a a samurai, which have had no Japanese people involved and aren't even set in Japan. Well, I mean, Western comics are particularly guilty of that. I think far more in the case of look at look at the Netflix Daredevil universe. Um, there's ninjas everywhere, Ben. There's ninjas everywhere, Michael. Um, look at all the Rachel Gull um, work with Batman or Arrow. But the- but those ninjas, Ben, didn't turn out to be uh, Asian Japanese ninjas. They turned out to be disgruntled teens, if you remember. Is that the hand from Teenage Ninja Turtles? No, that's the hand from... Or is that the foot? Wait, that's the, the foot. foot. They were robots. The hand from... Uh, 
The hand from Iron Fist turned out to be disgruntled teens. I can't think, Ben, off the top of my head of an equivalent to, let's say, Dark Souls, which we've been discussing, wherein a European comic book producer or uh, movie producer has created a fic- an entirely fictionalised Japan East Asian world. Hmm... I'm sure there is. You know one. what I mean? I'm, I'm... Like, like Dark Souls is set in the kingdom of Lordran. Ah, yes, Lordran. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is there is there a is there an equivalent where a, a European company has created a fictional Japanese world? I can't think of one off the top of my head, Ben. Yeah, I don't know. No, I don't know either. I don't know either. Hmm. No, I can't. I can't. I can't hmm. think of any Ben. Maybe the listeners. Perhaps, Michael. The listeners would like to let us know uh, and tell us what we missed here. Where Where's our giant Amalga Japan or Amalga Asia? Where's that? Mm. What is that? It doesn't Find that exist. for us. Will you? Um, a lot like Scandinavia. It doesn't exist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you're from Scandinavia, if you're really from Scandinavia, get in touch with us. Send us a message. Scandinavia get out of here Um, get in touch with us in the following places ladies and gentlemen if you have ideas for episodes if there's anything you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast or if you'd like to prove that Scandinavia is in fact real and definitely there get in touch with us here www.showmogum.com that's too many W's S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G dot com Miss Tiny Room in Irish Ben I've just remembered I've been to Scandinavia Oh, yeah, so I've been I. there. I've been, I've been there. It was Sweden. real. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, a it real place. Real. Never mind. Yeah, um, right. Get in touch with us with episode ideas or to tell us about uh, animes that are European inspired that we missed. Uh, you can or also vice get versa. T- or vice versa. You can get in touch with us on the gram at Sean Rebug, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G. It still kind of means tiny room in Irish. And you can join us in two weeks' time when we'll be talking about... Talking Hold on, I'll check the calendar, time. Ben. Check two it. weeks? It's not two weeks, it's in next week. week. Join us in a week's time when we'll be talking about... Ben, this is weekly. This has always been weekly. We've been no, doing this it for hasn't. three years. This podcast isn't real, Michael. <laughs> like Scandinavia. What are we talking about, Ben? I'll look up the calendar for you. Okay, give us a look at the old calendar. Oh, then. Lex! Lex! <laughs> so The TV uh, show Lex. <laughs> the TV show Lex. Speaking of mad shit... <laughs> Um, so if you or anyone you know remembers the TV show Lex get in touch with us tell us what you thought of it um, watch a bit of it and as always thank you for listening to us ladies and gentlemen we'll talk to you later bye bye now hold on Ben I'm just going to record this uh, I just want this threat to be very clearly on air oh you better watch some of Lex you son of a bitch it's all up on if YouTube sitting, I think Michael <laughs> if I'm sitting here next week going Ben and do you remember in episode 7 and you go look Mick I've got to be honest I didn't watch any of it <laughs> I'm going to be very upset you made me much more Dublin than I actually am there look Mick I'm, I'm very upset I'll be very <laughs> upset if I have to suffer through it and you don't Lexing alone next week's episode <laughs> and we'll talk to you then bye oh goodbye everybody bye bye or as they say in Europe, oh, goodbye, everybody. I'll feed a new. Very good. Uh, yes. Guten Tag, August Carwell on Oberwalia. Yeah, bye.